In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got another exciting week for you. This week, there are five Argos signings to talk about, plus the much anticipated schedule review. JB, last year, you and I crushed it, and I don't think either of us were expecting that. We predicted the entire schedule. I think we only ended up with three wrong. I believe we were both 11 and three at the end of things, which... (laughs) I've I've certainly never been that accurate with a schedule prediction in my life before, but big things are expected. So we'll see if we can duplicate that today. That is all coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Signings, JB. Five players signed since we last recorded, and I've kind of divided them into three categories. There's a couple guys I think are long shots to make the squad. A couple guys that I think are really solid players who have a real chance, uh, not only to make the squad, but maybe to be out there. And then there's a bit of a mystery box in today's signing of Jake Fashi. So let's let's break these guys down. Let's start with the long shots. Uh, Maurice Carnell, the fourth, a DB who I didn't remember being with the Argonauts. So he was with the Argos for a week in 2018, and it wasn't a name that, that uh, rung a bell for me. Uh, he ended up playing... Uh, two seasons in Hamilton, 2019 and then 2020, sort of on and off the practice squad. He was only active for one game. I believe it was a game against Toronto um, and didn't put up any stats there. Uh, just talking to some of the guys that, that covered practice, he was moved to a boundary half in practice. And so a guy that uh, at North Alabama had played exclusively corner, comes to the CFL, gets bounced from position to position. How tough is it, JB, to be a guy like this, change leagues suddenly to the Canadian League where you've now got the waggle and now you're being asked to be a boundary halfback? Um, is it maybe something that, that takes some time? Yeah, I, yeah I, I think that, you know, they're pretty set in the secondary. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he made the team. Uh, I think it's just a smart churn play. You know, if if he happens to really catch coach's eyes, terrific. But that's one of the advantages of uh, of being in a position of strength is, you know, I, I think that it will be hard for him to pick it up. And they're just looking to see if they can catch some lightning. And if nothing else, they can ask him what Hamilton was thinking with all that single coverage when the Argos were just airing out bombs late in the season uh, last year, because we were never able to really figure that out. Maybe that's the question that they want answered. So they can pick his brain, uh, see, see, you know, see what uh, what they can learn a little bit from uh, from Hamilton's defense. And, you know, maybe it is a case, though, where he just took a little bit of time and and that experience, that practice experience playing boundary half will will show something this year. But I don't think there's any real risk with it. Uh, I like the move. I think it's good. The other long shot is Connor Flagel, uh, defensive lineman, Central Missouri. So he ended up playing a little bit of Arena League. He spent some time with Ottawa over the last two years and, you know, had trouble cracking that roster. And that's that's not a great sign just because Ottawa wasn't a good team. But when you do watch his film, there's stuff there to like. He's a big guy. Anyone, you know, anytime you you bring in an athlete of, of his size, you know, 6'5", and, you know, nearing 300 pounds, who can move, who's got explosion and strength, it's worth a look. 
and another guy that sort of had to change his position a few times, be moved to the interior. So, you know, maybe this is something that it just takes a little bit of time and and something will show this year. We don't know. But uh, I think, you know, just like just like we said with, with Maurice Carnell the fourth, it's probably a guy that's a long shot to to make the roster, I would say. Yeah, I always feel better about bringing in a guy who uh, didn't play or barely played because if they play a bit, it means the coaches think he's fine. So there's probably not a misevaluation or um, an overlooking. So if you're going to have somebody overlooked, then they probably should not play at all. So I think the chances of him being um, a misused player goes up. Oddly enough, if his resume is is really thin, yeah, that's a. I think that's a. I think that's a pretty insightful comment, and and with that's why I think both these guys we have to label as long shots because they have had time. They've been in the CFL, and there wasn't enough there. Now you never know. Change of scenery, change of coaching staff. You know, we don't know exactly. Uh, how they were being used and maybe you know how much of it was system based although in in both of those cases that that wouldn't really make sense to me but you know we never know so we'll see what what happens when these guys come into camp let's move on to our next two signings uh two solid players in Deion Harris and Isaiah Wright both of whom spent some time with the Washington football team let's start with Deion Harris defensive back North Dakota uh, his story is kind of an interesting one so he was being touted as sort of a mid-round draft pick for the NFL and ended up with an Achilles tear. I think it was in his junior season. And that is enough on its own to wipe you off a lot of draft boards. Achilles tear, small school, uh, you've got a lot of strikes against you already. He ended up on Washington's practice roster. Never really was was you know able to, to crack anything with Washington, but there's a lot to like for him. He's 6'3", almost 200 pounds. As a DB, I think there's a ton of potential there. He's got huge reach. And another guy that I could see sort of playing all over the field. He, he didn't, uh, he spent a little bit of time with the uh, DC defenders, the XFL, didn't really get onto the field much. It was right at the end of the season there where he, he finally got into the field. So I didn't really get too much uh, out of, you know, out of that tape. But um, I certainly like his measurables. And this is a guy who hasn't played in the CFL yet. So I think... You know, I think there's a real chance here. Uh, you like what he did in college. There's no question about that. So maybe he stands out in camp. Yeah, I think that he, you know he's got the, he's got the measurables, and we talked a lot about this last year. I'm, I've I've always been really impressed with um, their ability to to bring in guys who who have good numbers, um, who who might just need a shot. I, th- there's no reason not to be optimistic about him. Um, you know, that he's, he, he clearly is an elite athlete. So, you know, I think that's, you know, he's, he's not a starter. The, the, you know, nobody they're signing right now is going to be a starter. This is a championship caliber team, but, you know, you bring in a depth guy in guy who can come in and, you know, uh, give the starters a look in practice who can, you know, fill in, in a game, uh, where you've got some injuries and he can go out there and, you know, not not be a disaster. These are all important parts of of a team. So, like, you know, is this guy going to change the course of the Argos? No, but can he be a useful addition for a really good price? Yeah, I think so. I think he's on the team in some capacity. I don't know if it's practice roster or if, uh, you know, if he ends up 
you know, dressing or not. But I, I do think there's enough there that he's going to stick around for a while. But well, yeah, we'll have to see. Just another guy. I'm I'm so excited about camp. We're getting so close to camp. And we've been talking about some of these guys. We know the team so well from last year. But all these new faces that are coming in and including some of these CFL signings, uh, you know, the guys we brought in from Hamilton, for example, and, and Davis and Banks and, you know, seeing Marquis Thambles out there. I, I want to see all this stuff on the field so we can sort of stop. Not that we'll stop speculating. We'll continue that. But I, I really want to see them play football. And so this is another guy I want to see him play football. Let's talk about Isaiah Wright. This is the one I'm most excited about of the five signings in the last week. Isaiah Wright's a player. I think the question with him is, I don't know what exactly to do with him. And I don't know what the Argos have in mind. I think probably what I have in mind is different from what they're thinking. And that's okay. But let me tell you a little bit about Isaiah Wright. So uh, he's at Temple. Uh, and in his four seasons at Temple, he moved around a ton. So when he got there as a freshman, uh, he was a running back. It was where he saw most of his time, and he was also a Wildcat quarterback. That tells you a couple of things uh, right off the bat. We'll come back to some of that stuff. Uh, a little bit more of that in his sophomore season, and he started playing a lot more receiver, was basically a slot receiver as a junior and a really good one. And then as a senior, they moved him out wide and that didn't work quite as well. And he wasn't getting those Wildcat quarterback snaps. He wasn't getting any snaps in the backfield. They were still using him occasionally on, on jets and, and things like that. But really, that's, uh, you know, that's, a, that's, a better, that's a better slot job. And that's what he saw a lot of in his huge season as a junior. The other way he really contributed in college was he was an excellent uh, punt and kick returner. So 84 kick returns, averaging 24.2 yards, uh, had a couple of touchdowns, 43 punt returns, averaging over 10 yards of return with three touchdowns, and somewhere along the way was named a first-team All-AAC uh, return specialist. So, you know, those are things I'm excited about, even without the offensive numbers, because we've been begging for a kick returner, punt returner. We've got a few guys now uh, that, that I'm excited to see in camp that can return kicks, can return punts. So that's an element I like. Anyway, he, he doesn't get drafted. Ends up signing as an undrafted free agent with Washington football team and has a decent season for, you know, but for a rookie, uh, especially an undrafted rookie, not only makes the roster and dresses, but he's out there um, catching footballs. 27 catches, 197 yards. Those are great numbers for an undrafted free agent rookie. And that's his... That's his 2020 season. And, you know, expectations were pretty high going to the next year. And he just couldn't make that final cut down right before the, the start of the 2021 season. He was a victim of last cuts. And now here he is heading north to Toronto um, for the Argos. So there's a ton to like about this guy, JB. Yeah, I, I think that he, you know, going on my earlier comment, I think that he is somebody who can be a part of the starting roster. I think he is part of a shadow wide receiver room that they're building. Um, you know, so I think if you're, um, you know, if you are somebody who has returned kicks and has run jets, I'd be concerned because um, there's some competition in town. Yeah. And you know where I really like him is at running back. 
And I know this is a weird one because he hasn't played running back since he was a freshman. He did take some backfield snaps as a sophomore, but he hasn't really played consistently at running back uh, since his first year of college. I love his vision in traffic. That's the best thing he brings. If everything that he brings and all the skill that he has, his vision in traffic is elite. He just has a, a way of uh, just calmly navigating through bodies. He doesn't panic and he's really hard to get a hold of. He's very slippery. He turns his bodies, contorts himself at the weirdest angles. He's got terrific feet. And I love him coming through the line. And that's partly what made him such a good kick and punt returner. It's also where he got a lot of his yards as a receiver. You know, it wasn't, it's not the other stuff. Like his, his hands are okay. Uh, he's not great at catching the ball in traffic. That's not you know, something he does well. That's probably why at Temple they moved him to the outside where he wouldn't have to do that so much. But where that hurt him is that you don't have the opportunities on the outside where you catch the ball in space and now have an opportunity to sort of pinball your way through the field. And you know, pinball is maybe the wrong term to use on an Argos podcast. This guy's 6'2", 220. So don't think pinball Clemens. But he does, uh, you know, he does have that elite vision. And he does have those those quick feet. So I would love to see him used in a creative way, getting jet sweeps, um, you know, using some of those so those misdirection plays that I know Coach Dinwiddie had a lot in the Calgary system that we didn't really see last year. You know, you and I talked about Chandler Worthy being the perfect guy to see some of that like 2019 Calgary stuff with um, fake jets and uh, fake jet flat passes and stuff. And we never really saw that used with Worthy. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something that that we see uh, from Isaiah Wright. Yeah, I mean, Worthy was certainly the guy I had in mind as to, you know, who who he's probably competing with. Um, you know, I mean, the football is a copycat sport. Debo Samuel has become an absolute star in San Francisco as an all-purpose Swiss Army knife. And I'm sure football coaches are reevaluating and, and and thinking, look, we there's probably not every wide receiver, but there's probably wide receivers out there who can be damn good running backs uh, and can do both. And so it, you know, he, this guy fits the bill. Like, if you were a coordinator, who wouldn't want Debo Samuel on your team? So why not? Why not go looking and see if you can find them? I I wouldn't be surprised to to see a bit of that. You know, they're not. They're certainly watching the NFL too, and he was one of the best players in the league. Um, so why not try and find somebody who might be able to do some of that? That you know, that's it's obviously high praise. And is this guy going to come in and be Debo Samuel? But uh, I can I can respect the shot. Yeah, he he's not like he's not Debo Samuel. He doesn't have the he, he doesn't have the the top end speed and and that same level of explosion. But his game is certainly modeled in the same fashion, and he has a lot of those same attributes, although not quite the same level. Um, you know that that's something I'm excited about. Remember, there's only three running backs on this roster. We had a ton of fullbacks. Only three running backs on the roster. But if he's not being brought in as a running back, if that's not at all what they're thinking, which is most likely not what they're thinking, I think they probably think of him strictly as a receiver. Now we're going to start asking, why are there so many big body slot receivers that we're bringing in here? There's suddenly a lot of guys that are looking like receivers Toronto's already got on the roster. And we've talked about this a little bit before. This makes me nervous. 
I like the team. I do get attached to guys. Uh, I, you know, it's not not something that I where I want to see guys traded away or guys released. But the Argos in the defensive backfield and in that receiver room, they've got a lot of guys who can do the same kinds of things. And if Isaiah Wright looks really good in camp, his bill is not nearly as high as some of the other guys. And that it's exciting, but that worries me. And, you know, the Argos, if they need to free up some space, you know, that may be an answer there. So we'll see how this all how this all shakes out. But at this moment, the, the Argos basically have eight guys that I feel really comfortable starting. And of course, you only need five. Let's move on to our mystery box. So today's signing, uh, Jake Foshi. This is a pretty interesting one. And so initially when I saw this come across the wire, uh, I didn't pay too much attention. I had never watched Oklahoma Baptist University film. I... I I don't know if I've even watched any any GAC film. Uh, I, I think I watched someone from Henderson State a few years ago, but I can't even remember that. So, you know, sitting down to watch the film, my expectations were not very high. Uh, it didn't take very long for me to become interested. So I ended up kind of going down this film wormhole. I watched a few games of uh, OBU Bison film and then, uh, you know, started uh, navigating through. I ended up back at... Uh, Jake Fashi's high school film where he was playing center. And this really intrigues me because as soon as you show me that you have positional versatility, especially as a center, that's got my attention. On top of that, he was the team's long snapper and a very good long snapper too. Now, I don't think he's, I don't think he's CFL caliber long snapper because he doesn't have the speed for coverage. That part's not going to be there. But somebody who can step in, we saw, you know, the Argos lost their long snapper last year, mid-season, and you have a situation where in the middle of the game, you've got someone that that steps in. We've, we've seen how they value that skill. Even with like the drafting of Sam Baker a couple of years ago, anyone that can long snap, definitely is a bonus to have on your team. And you add to that, he can play center, he can play both guard spots, he can play both tackle spots. That's pretty interesting. Now, his film, I had a really tough time generating too much uh, in the way of notes. His competition just wasn't very good. Uh, he, you know, his his run blocking didn't stand out as as a positive to me, but it, it wasn't that he was getting beat. It's just, I... I I hated how he was how he was executing his run blocking, but he didn't really need to. So I can't really tell is this a level of competition thing? Uh, you know, he did. You know, he was able to seal his guys. Um, he'd often sort of go into um, you know pass dropbacks and sort of draw blocking, um, and effectively so he, he cleared space. He he made the hole, but there's nothing in his run blocking that stood out and thought you know that's a guy we need on the team. Pass blocking is another thing though. Is pass blocking strong? Get the stat, JB. Three sacks allowed in 1,349 snaps. That's a ridiculous number. Uh, you know, if you're only allowing three sacks and that many and that many pass attempts, uh, you're doing something right. I don't care what level you're at. He seems like a guy who a coach has recommended. If he's, I mean, this is this is a prospect from deep in the weeds. This is not somebody that they would have come across, um, you know, in general scouting. So you look at Chris Sweet, and we talked about how this was going to be a big test for him to try and put together his own O-line, you know, especially with the release. 
Uh, and this that's what this feels like. It feels like a guy knew, knew Coach Sweet from from his days, you know, coaching uh, coaching in the United States. And there's a connection here. And he's like, I got a guy for you. And so uh, to me, that seems really encouraging. I mean, the, the randomness or the obscurity of this signing um, feels like uh, an inside, you know, some inside information. So I, I hope that's what it is. I, and I'm sure it is. It just it's it's too odd otherwise, because it, you know that, like you say, you're bringing in a guy from from D two at OBU. There's there's a reason for it. It's not just it's not just they were sitting down watching OBU film and they're like, hey, this guy stands out. There's something more than that. There's there's too much. The scouts and for the Argos are amazing. We talk about them all the time. We praise them all the time. They do a great job. They cannot watch every single snap of football played in North America. And so at somewhere along the way, someone said something. Someone said, hey, look at this guy. They took a look and they were impressed. Uh, what I love about him in pass protection is that uh, he doesn't get outsmarted. He's uh, either a great uh, film study guy um, or he's just got, you know, really intelligent instincts. Uh, something about his play, it just stands out as as very bright because he doesn't get beat on twists. He doesn't get surprised by blitzes. He doesn't get caught out of position. And and that's why he's only allowed those those three sacks. Now, to me, so he's 6'4", 290. Um, based on how the Argos uh, assign their linemen, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, we've got six, eight guards, which I hate, but uh, we've got a bunch of them. Uh, and shorter tackles and guys that, you know, like Dijon Allen, I, I swore up and down that he should be a guard. And there he is playing tackle all last season and one of the most you know, consistent linemen in doing that. And so I don't, I don't know how they see it. I see him as a guard. I think he's got CFL guard written all over him. The fact that he's played some center tells you that he's able to handle the interior line. And I just, I'm not sure he's quite fast enough um, to be uh, on the edge. I'm, I'm just not sure he's a tackle um, at this level. You know, maybe he is, but I haven't seen enough to say that, that I would put him there comfortably. So to me, He's a guard with the potential to play anywhere because he's played right tackle through left tackle. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's just yet another guy that I'm excited to see in camp. Um, you know, who knows what he turns into, but, yeah, I'm intrigued. And like you said, anytime you bring in a guy from an obscure school like this, um, we have to raise our eyebrows. JB, let's move on to the schedule. So, are we going to be able to duplicate our winning percentage from last year? You know what was so weird about last year? We didn't collaborate on it last year, and yet we ended up picking the exact same win-loss records throughout the regular season. The only way we differed is, I think we went all the way through to the Grey Cup, and you did end up having Winnipeg-Hamilton in the Grey Cup, and I had Toronto-Saskatchewan, uh, who were the... Who were the uh, uh, Eastern and Western final uh, representatives. But yeah, we we crushed it pretty well last year. I can't imagine we'll be on the same page all the way through this. And I can't imagine that even half of what we've predicted is correct after last year. But let's let's work our way through it. So opening week, I've got a buy. Do you also have a buy? <laughs> I do. So uh, I, don't, I don't think that's great for the Argos. I don't think they're a team um, that needs a first week buy. So that's... I don't think it's the end of the world, but I'm not I'm not crazy about a first week buy. 
Yeah, you got three buys built in, but I, I hate first week buys. And it, it might have been fine last year with such a new group together, but it's basically the same start, returning starters from last season. So they don't need the gel time that they needed last year. So yeah, I don't like that first week buy. Uh, week two uh, is the home opener and the season opener for the Argos. Thursday, June 16th, Montreal comes to town. Uh, how do you see this, JB? I like Toronto at home. I think Toronto has shown that uh, that they are winners at home. You know, even if the home is not necessarily as electric. Um, you know, I mean, oddly enough, probably the best home crowd they had all season was the uh, the final. Didn't quite get it done, but they they have shown that they are a good home team. Um, I like them to beat Montreal at home. I, I like them to win the home opener. I also like them too. I've got this as a win. And I just think, like you said, Toronto plays well at home, but also Montreal's opening the season with two straight road games. Teams don't play well back-to-back weeks uh, on the road. And to start a season, it's just not a, a great uh, schedule for Montreal. So it, yeah, I think It's a nice perk. I mean, you know, from even our days, like <laughs> when you play a team week two and <laughs> they played the week before and you have all that film and they have nothing, that's that's uh that's a nice perk yeah for sure no i i I like everything about this except i just hate the the buy part you know you could use that later to rest guys but that's okay so one and oh to start the season week three at bc june 25th how do you see this one uh uh, look i think going to bc and winning is still tough I think that's still, you know, you got you to gotta travel across the country. They didn't have a lot of trips last year. Um, you know, this is a pretty long trip uh, to go and play. And, uh, you know, you're looking at a BC team that is is not particularly good. Uh, I, I still see Toronto coming out on top. I think Toronto has to. I think if they are who I think they are, which is championship caliber, you cannot lose to the BC Lions, um, even at home in week three. You have to. That this is this is a professional win game, and so it'll tell us a lot. This is the first time we've differed in two years. I have this as a loss. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think BC is going to be a great team. I think they they have weapons. Uh, I think early in the season is when you want to play them. I just think it's it's a long road trip. It's the furthest this team has been by far, and they didn't do that well on the road last year, um, especially at West. They had that that opening week win in Calgary, just barely, uh, but they you know got got blown out at Winnipeg, got blown out at Saskatchewan, didn't go to Edmonton or BC. It's a long trip. It's it's a it's a tough place to play. The last time the Argos played at BC, they lost by forty seven, I think. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 until I see it differently, this is a loss for me. I've got them at one and one and you've got two and oh. Yeah. I mean, they, they showed a kind of, I mean, they showed a hot and cold last year for sure. Um, but I, I just think, you know, it's a nice week, right? They play on Thursday, then they don't play again until Saturday. Um, if you're going to head out West, that's a pretty nice week heading into that game. Uh, yeah, I I do. I I just don't think PC is gonna be is gonna be good enough to to beat the Argos. I hope you're right. Week four, at home against Winnipeg. Uh, I'll go first this time. I've I've got this as a win. I think you got a long week to recover after this. 
I don't think Winnipeg, like, I still think they're good. And I still think they're the team to beat. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. They're also coming off what's going to be a pretty emotional game against Hamilton because you know Hamilton is going to give them everything they have and more. Um, I think the the Argos, especially in my scenario where they're losing in BC, I think they come home and get it done with a win against Winnipeg. Uh, I also have a win against Winnipeg. I think they feel confident uh, that they can play with Winnipeg. Um, I think that they're going to be um, excited at, at the way the team is building. You know, we're 2-0, and now here comes a heavyweight. You know, I, I, I really feel that this is this is a game that they're going to be ready for. And, and I do see Winnipeg taking a step back this year. I think two, two great cups. Um, it's going to be hard to keep. It's just hard to keep that level of intensity and desire up it's it's very natural for a team to take a step back i think winnipeg takes a step back i think we're three and oh here are you going all the way through to 18 and oh just <laughs> so we can get this out of the way i am not all right uh always the optimist jb uh three and oh uh i've got us at two and one here uh week five is another buy uh man uh three games and two buys not great. Maybe this is a good regrouping point, and we do have the touchdown Atlantic game coming the week after this. But uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't like where this buy is placed at all. The the third buy is great, but yeah, these first two. I, this is where you want your first buy. You want to have three games and a buy. I think that's the perfect schedule. But yeah, buy three games buy. Uh, not awesome. So touchdown Atlantic, July sixteenth, Saskatchewan in Wolfville. Uh, how do you see this one? Your your Argos are three and zero at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is gonna be a tough beat for for Toronto. Um, you know, out east, I, I don't know what they're doing for a crowd. Um, Saskatchewan travels. There's gonna be there's gonna be melon heads. Yeah, no, all over it's Wolfville. not gonna be a Toronto crowd. I, I think it's gonna be a Saskatchewan crowd. I I have Saskatchewan winning this game. I think it's too bad that Toronto is giving up a home game. Um, they are a very good home team. I think that um, that's that's going to be a loss. I see. I see a Saskatchewan crowd and a Saskatchewan win. I think it's going to be a tough game. I've got this as a win. My rationale is coming off a of bye week. I actually quite liked uh, how the Argos looked last year when they had time, uh, when they had time to do some things, when they had time to prepare. I felt like the two situations in which the team looked ready to play, it didn't always work out as a win, but. I like them in back-to-backs. I like them, you know, in those home-and-homes. I like them in uh, in the second end of those home-and-homes. And I like them uh, when they had time, when they had practice time. So I, I think it's going to be a tough one, like you say. And I don't think they're going to have a huge home field advantage in, in Wolfville. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a win. So both of our Argos are now at 3-1. and one. Week 7, JB, it's the back end of a home-and-home. We're at Saskatchewan now, seven days later. How do you see it? Yeah, I see Saskatchewan sweeping the home and home. I think Saskatchewan is a very good team. Um, You know, as I said in our power rankings, I like the Argos. I think the Argos are good. I think Saskatchewan is an elite team. I think they are the the best team in the CFL. And and I I see the games close, but I think Saskatchewan is going to beat Toronto in both games. That's interesting. I've I've got them as a loss too, but I I think for me it's it's for me it's almost the back to back road games thing because I know it counts as a home game, 
uh, Touchdown Atlantic, uh, you know, out east, but that's not really a home game. It's going to be a weird week. It's going to be a weird trip. They're going to be really disoriented. I don't know what their travel schedule is like. I know there's going to be a lot of events planned. I would imagine they're going to spend a little more time out there than they usually do. I believe that's what happened in 2019. So, yeah, I'm not... I think you're coming off a weird week going into probably the toughest place to play in the CFL in Saskatchewan. Uh, so, yeah, I also think that's a loss week seven. And so now we've both got the Argos sitting at... Oh, no, you... No, yes, we both got the Argos sitting at four and two now. And that moves us into uh, week eight. This is a weird one. Uh, Sunday, five o'clock, uh, home to Ottawa. What do you see? <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, that is, that is a very, um, it, it's, it's a very odd, uh, is Monday the holiday there? So must be this right. Is, the first Monday in August. Well, it's July thirty first. Yeah, and so August first is the holiday, right? Yeah, is that how that right? works? Is, I believe it's the first Monday. Is is the holiday? I think you're right. I'm usually in it's, Halifax for the summer, so I don't know how I don't know how Toronto gets down uh, in the summer. So either way, a five o'clock start on a on a Sunday is odd. <laughs> yeah. Ottawa is hard to get up for after these back to back Saskatchewan games. Uh, are they going to be able to pull it out? Uh, no, uh, Ottawa is not. Toronto is going to win that game handily. Back at home, uh, not very happy about Saskatchewan, and we're going to take it out on the uh, Black Reds. <laughs> I I think this is a loss. Oof, no. The reason I say that, so hear me out. <clears throat> when you're throwing off your schedule, it does odd things. And it, I'm telling you that 5 o'clock start after these two games against a really solid team. And remember, I have them I have them splitting, right? I get it in your case, coming off back-to-back losses. You know, I, I think in that scenario, yeah, you, I think you do beat Ottawa. But I think if you're splitting those the way I think you are, kind of splitting that home and home, and then you come back for this weird kickoff time on a Sunday, potentially a holiday weekend, if only we had access to the internet or something like that that would tell us. Um, I, I think they, I think they just kind of get caught with their pants down here and and uh, just mail it in. I think this is one of those games where you need a meeting afterwards to sort yourself out. <laughs> no. you, you do need a meeting. I agree, but I don't think they're going to need a meeting. They're not going to lose to Ottawa. All right. So uh, that's uh, yeah. That'll be one to watch. I, I I'm telling you, that's I, I I see that happening. I don't feel good about that that game against Ottawa. All right, let's move to week nine. Uh, this is the beginning of the the first leg of two home and homes against Hamilton. We play Hamilton four times in the next five games, which is just a weird schedule quirk. Uh, I hate this part of the schedule. So uh, week nine, August 6th, home to Hamilton. Uh, I'll start this one off. I, I've got this as a win because to me, they're rebounding in my, in my universe. They're rebounding from this embarrassing loss to Ottawa. And I think they go on a bit of a tear here uh, because that's sort of the, the low point of the season and they start turning things around. So I actually think they're going to look really good against Hamilton August 6th, rebound from that embarrassing loss and post a, a win on the, uh, their Ontario rivals. Yeah, I think they win. I mean, they owe Hamilton. Hamilton beat us in the final. 
Um, so, you know, payback is due. Um, they're at home. I, I like I like the Argos to beat uh, to beat Hamilton here. I've lost track of our scores at the moment, but I'll do a tally uh, in a second and we'll, we'll figure this out. But let's move into week 10. This is the second half of the home and home. Uh, not on a holiday, which is terrific, but it is in Hamilton. Uh, second leg of the back-to-back. Uh, I, I've got another win. I think Toronto <laughs> sweeps this early head-to-head with Hamilton. I think I think Toronto's the better team. And I think there's something to... I, I like. I, I'll tell you right now, we're, we're not going to see an Argos win on, on Labor Day. It just doesn't happen. But everywhere else, I love Toronto. Now, playoffs... Uh, you know, there are going to be some memories from last year. We'll, we'll talk about that down the line. Regular season, if it's not on, if it's not like a one o'clock start on a holiday, I feel very good about it. So, yeah, I think they take this one. Uh, I do not have a win here. Uh, I think they split. We've talked about that before, even though I talked about Saskatchewan sweeping. Um, it's very hard to beat a team back to back. You know, it just it's just tough. You've, you've shown a lot to get the first win. And it's much easier to counter game plan when you lose uh, than to come up with something when you win. So I, I like Hamilton here at home. So we both got them at five and three, thanks to my quick math. And that moves us into week 11, home to Calgary. Now, what I love about this stretch, the summer's so strange. You notice that basically the Argos don't leave Ontario all summer. They have, they have, they're at BC June 25th. Oh, and that's not true because they do have the touchdown Atlantic game, even though that's a home game. They do leave the province for that. But the, but really, that's it. Then, uh, you know, they, they have that, that game in Saskatchewan. And then it's Ottawa, Hamilton, Hamilton, home to Calgary, Hamilton, Hamilton, Ottawa, Ottawa. And, and it's not like until October that they're, they're back out, really back out on the road again. So this is kind of, it's just such a weird stretch of the schedule. So week 11... Home to Calgary, is this a guys getting up to play against their former team or is this a revenge game for Calgary? Um, I, I think Calgary would like to revenge, but I believe that they do not have the weaponry. Uh, I don't think they have the quarterback. I, I don't think they're very good. Um, I think they're going to take a step back. I think Toronto took all of their good players and their mojo and Toronto will be ready for Calgary and will 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 beat Calgary. That's another win at home. Yeah, I agree. I see it going exactly that way. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I do think it's a tight game. But I do think there's something about getting up for this. There's so many guys in this Toronto roster that are going to make sure this is one of their best games. You've also got coaches that want to prove themselves. Coach Mace uh, that wants to uh, prove himself. Coach Bell, Coach Dinwiddie. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Calgary here. And they're going up against their old guys. That's a win. Week 12. Friday, August 26 versus Hamilton. So home again uh, to the Tiger Cats. How's this one going? Um, I like it again. I like I, I, They've shown that they're great at home. Um, I think they'll look at this back-to-back and, and really concentrate on getting the first half. I think um, pulling a Labor Day game is going to be tough. Um, I think they really concentrate on, on splitting and getting the first I don't think they win this. I think it's an emotional letdown. I think that that game against Calgary, they're going to be so hyped up for. So much of this team has Calgary ties 
And we saw it last year. They they went into Calgary one in dramatic fashion and were flat the next week. Now, Winnipeg makes a lot of teams look flat, but they just didn't have it uh, the next week in Winnipeg. And I worry that that happens again. In my universe, Hamilton will have lost twice to the Argos already. Um, coming down the highway to BMO, I, I think Hamilton's taking it seriously. I think Toronto's still on that uh, you know, emotional high and then has this sort of crash uh, against Hamilton. So for me, that's a loss. Week 13, Labor Day loss. JB? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think it'll be very hard for them to go in and win two Labor Days in a row. I hate playing there on Labor Day. Why can't it why can't it change? Why is it never in Toronto on Labor Day? Why do we have to play Hamilton? That place is rabid. It's not fair. It's not like a normal football game. It's a, and for anyone else who's got another team who maybe, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but if you're not an Argos fan, you see your team uh, out West, whatever it is, you're like, hey, what's the big deal? You know, we got to play the same guys on Labor Day. You don't understand. Playing Hamilton on Labor Day is not normal. Uh, it's It's like this weird bizarro Hamilton and they go, it's, it's, it's their gray cup uh, every year, even when they're in the actual gray cup, this is still their gray cup. And the Argos just can't win this game. I hope they turn it around. I am not betting on it. No, I don't, I don't have a win here. Week 14 at Ottawa, two o'clock start Saturday. Uh, (laughs) These Ottawa schedules, uh, the third game is a pretty normal one, but yeah, this is another weird one. Um, they're not going to lose to Ottawa in this game. Uh, in my universe, they lost to Ottawa already, and that will be their quota for the year. Uh, I think they, I think they get in there after getting beat, uh, maybe even embarrassed on Labor Day, and I think they just blow Ottawa up. Uh, that's a win. Yeah, me too. I have them. Uh, you know, I have them. Well, no spoilers here, but yeah, they, I have them taking this Ottawa game as well. And that sends them into a bye before going back to Ottawa. <laughs> So weird, back to back, away, away, with a bye in the middle. I don't even know, like, if you, I don't know. I, I, this this schedule. I think is that's so odd. that's a loss for me in week sixteen. If if Ottawa can't win the back off of a back to back with a bye in the middle, then you know, bag up the balls and put the <laughs> put the shirts in a nice closet and call it a day. Because yeah, that, and that's that's that is you want a litmus test, you know, that is PH new coaching staff. I get that. I think this is a win. I just based on the other things that I said, it's not a true back to back road games or what would be three straight road games because you've got the buy in the middle, and so that resets oh, you. They have to. If you lose back to back home games to the same team with a buy in the middle, then you have to. I think you have to, like any good samurai, um, take a sword and, uh, you know, end it. Ottawa lost like eight straight road games. Like the, no, this is not game. a, yeah, I mean, home games. They're I mean, like they, this is not a team that has proven themselves recently. I now like I do Ottawa, expect them to be better. I, I just, I, I, I respect their coaching staff. Um, I think you would have to be. You know, you just you would have to be an absolutely incompetent coaching staff to not get a win a win uh, in week two. I I just can't see Toronto winning both. 
And, and the reason I see it is because of that earlier Toronto loss. And that's what you don't have. See, I think I think after in my universe with that early loss to Ottawa on that weird Sunday in July, five o'clock start, I think that prevents them from losing again to Ottawa. Now, you don't have that. You've got that as a win. And so, yeah, I get the psychology of that late in the season. Ottawa desperate for a win, second week at home. But yeah, I in, in my universe, the way I've played it out, I think Dinwiddie and the team adjusts well. Um, it's not a huge road trip. And I don't think Ottawa's a great team. They're better, but they're not great. Uh, so, yeah, that's back-to-back wins for me. All right, let's hit week 17. Finally, an actual road trip at Calgary, October 1st. Uh, this is a loss for me. This is now to the point where we're too many road games in a row. Even with that bye, you've now got four straight road games at Hamilton, at Ottawa, at Ottawa, at Calgary. Even with that bye, it's too much travel. Calgary's looking to get revenge for that earlier loss at BMO. Uh, and I, I just don't have them winning out West a lot. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's a loss. No, same. I think Calgary gets to win at home. Week 18. Hosting the BC Lions, uh, I've got a win. I think BC is falling apart at this stage of the season. I don't think they, I think they're figuring things out for next year. By the time we get to week 18, I think this is a pretty comfortable win for the Argos. Yeah, at home, BC flying in. Um, again, <laughs> weird, weird time. Um, but, uh, you know, by week 18, you know, those guys are on Expedia. You know, let's one, two, three, U-Haul. Although last year, remember how weird that game was where the Argos should have lost like 10 different times and, you know, BD sort of had, um, uh, was doing his magic and BC was missing field goals and extra points and all sorts of things that should have ended the game. And, you know, really those were two different classes of teams. The Argos should have crushed BC. I know they had Michael Riley and that's, that's I think they look at this different. game though. I think if you look at this game, this is a huge home win. Uh, Cause they're, they're about to have two tough, uh, two tough road and really a really tough uh, final three games here. So I think they look at this BC win as like a must have. Yeah, I, I see that. No chance yeah, they agreed. overlook. No chance they overlook this BC game. I mean, it is a must have. They gotta have. They gotta have that BC game. Week nineteen at Edmonton, uh, first trip out there since they have become the Elks. Uh, they lost Edmonton last year, but that was weird. That was the game that didn't matter because it was the makeup game due to the COVID outbreak on the Edmonton team early in the season. Toronto started no starters, almost won it at the end. Uh, but this is also the Chris Jones revenge game, maybe. How does this one play out for you? Yeah, I, I like Edmonton the win. Hmm. Uh, I think Edmonton's going to be a great team. I think they're going to be the surprise of the West. Um, I think going out West is is going to be a challenge. I think, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to beat Coach Jones. I think it's, I think it's going to be... Cl- I think it's close. It it's it's hard, you know, what Edmonton's quarterback situation is going to be like. Um, yeah, I, I just give it a loss. I've got this as an Argos win, and what I think is going to happen, I, I I am worried about the Chris Jones factor because he's going to be up for this game. But you know who else is going to be up for this game is McLeod Bethel Thompson because his quarterback coach left to Edmonton 
uh, you know, these are, this is a this is a game that McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to have circled on his calendar. I think just because of that, uh, because you can't help. And I know that there are other reasons. You've got you've got promotions and you've got other opportunities, and you want to change it up. I think that all makes sense. But I think in a quarterback's mind, you can't help but take that personally a little bit. And I think McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to absolutely light it up in this game. And it still comes down to the wire. I think that's an Argos win. Week 20 at Montreal. The season finishes with yet another back-to-back. This one at Montreal and then home against Montreal. So October 22nd at Montreal. How does it go? Oh, I mean, I wish I could say they were going to win. But, you know, is this the year they finally win? Do they finally, uh, you know, do they finally, you know, this is probably a division-clinching win. Um if they could get that in Montreal, I mean, that would be pretty amazing. I, I'm going to give them the win. I, 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 I ruled against them in Edmonton. I'm going to say this is the year they go into Montreal and get a win. Yeah, I think so, too. I, and I know what they're going up against like you do. And I know the hesitation that you feel. I feel that, too. I think, like you said, I think they're going to need it. I think this clinches and it means that they can rest in that second half of the back-to-back. It'll be a little bit like that Edmonton game, (laughs) except hopefully not the quality of the game. But I do think that season finale may not mean anything for the Argos. It may mean something to Montreal, but I think Toronto goes into Montreal. They get that win. I think they clinch first in the East with that win. And then going into week 21, back at BMO against Montreal, I've got that one as a loss because I think they're resting, guys. Yeah, same. That's, I mean, you know, based on what we have, that that you know, this this last game shouldn't matter. It could flip if you know if Toronto doesn't win in Montreal, then I do think they win at home the season finale against BMO. But I just don't see it going down that way. All right, let me just do a quick tally here, JB. All right, our final tally. So I have the Argos going eleven and seven. JB, you've got the Argos going ten and eight. I've got them six and three at home, five and four on the road. Now you hear that number. How does ten and eight sound? Yeah, um, I, I probably. I mean, I I go back and forth ten and eight, eleven and seven. I I I think Montreal, Toronto, and Hamilton are going to beat up on each other. Um, I do think ten is enough to win the division. Um, you know, could I lean towards? Uh, a win in Edmonton over, uh, you know, Arbuckle. Yeah, I, I could be, I could be uh, conversed in that pretty easily to be eleven and seven. I'm going to stick ten and eight. Um, I think that's still enough to win the division, but uh, I, I could, see, I can see eleven and seven. I don't, I don't see more than eleven and seven, but I don't, I don't disagree. I don't think you're, uh, I don't think that you're being pie-eyed optimist there. No, I think I think this is pretty fair. And I like you said, I think the division will beat up on each other. I don't think there's going to be a runaway. I think probably Hamilton or Montreal ends up also at 10 and 8, one of those two teams. And I think Toronto uh, ends up with the with the tiebreaker. Um, so I think even in your scenario, they still win the East. In my scenario, the 11 and 7 has it clear by a game. Um, so yeah, that's, I I think that's pretty fair. And that's pretty much what the fans think too. We did a poll on our X's and Argos Twitter account 
seeing how the fans thought this season was going to go. And the vast majority of people responding felt that they were somewhere between 10 and 13 wins, that that was the window. Um, there weren't that many people that were outside of that mark. So, yeah, we're, we're right in there. So, yeah, uh, you I know, mean, I think we're in line with everyone else. I, I think they're a good team. We've talked about but are they substantially better than last year's team? I, that is not my belief. So I do think they're better than last year's team. I, I think the schedule is very different. A longer schedule. There, there just aren't a lot of Argos teams that just rip through the regular season. Just historically, there aren't that many. Often, these teams that get to the Grey Cup, they're around that mark. They, they go into the playoffs around 10 wins. Yeah, I, I, so, yeah. I, I mean, I think they are better in places. I, I don't think they are, you know, I don't think they're, um, you know, 13 and 5 better. I don't, th- I don't no, think I don't think that's either. in the cards. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, they would need a ton of breaks. I don't see that happening either. It's just, it's so tough to to put up a record like that. I know teams do, uh, but it's a long schedule. It's a long season. So many things happen. Um, I wouldn't be stunned, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if, if they get as high as 13. So yeah, that's fine. 11 and, and 7. Like, who, you don't, you know, that that's a fine, that's a fine season in terms of getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, they, they win the East. So, you know, what can you say? I think that sets them up for it. Do you want to do a quick uh, how far they go? Or are we going to save that for another time? Uh, yeah, no, we, yeah, yeah, speak it. All right, so I see them into uh, into the Eastern Final. I think it's going to be Montreal uh, in the Eastern Final. Uh, it's at BMO. I, I think they win that game. I think, I, I like Montreal. I don't think they've got as much going on as Toronto does. Toronto's going to have that extra week to prepare I think they will gain uh, from that experience last year in the Eastern Final, and I think they win this and head off to the Grey Cup. Yeah, what what will be huge is does Hamilton go to Montreal or Montreal to Hamilton? Yeah. Um, You know, Montreal is absolutely a machine at home. Um, If Montreal can bring Hamilton in, I think Montreal wins. Uh, And I agree. I think think that it's, it's right there for them to... To get back into the Grey Cup, I think it if you know it'll come down to to coach and Macbeth, and can he can he elevate the team? And that question has not been answered yet. Not you know last year, I I, I think it's a compliment to say they didn't answer no. You know that the question is still open, but now the question I think. Has to be asked. Can he? Can he put the team on his back um, and be a CFL champion? That that question will be answered this year. So I have them in the Grey Cup. It's at Saskatchewan, and I have them facing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oof. Well, it, I have. It's them, like a movie. I have them at Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan, and I have them upset of the century. Against Saskatchewan? In Saskatchewan. And it'll <laughs> oh, be delicious, delicious watermelon juice. I don't want any part of that game. It'll like, be, yeah, I'd it'll love be to win one it. for the ages. I love it. I oh. love we go in there and we're just going to ruin their their wheat fest. I want no part of playing Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan for the Grey Cup. No, I love it. The pressure would be immense no, no, on the riders. It's great. We're going to shock the world. Pinball will be there. He'll eat it up. It'll be, it's going to be an all time Toronto dunk on the West. 
And I have them in a far less exciting fashion beating the Bombers with a home crowd advantage because everybody in Saskatchewan, there's no one. They, they don't like the Argos. They hate the Bombers. And so I think you've got a home crowd advantage, which is so rare for the Argos on the road. Uh, but that's one in Saskatchewan. Yeah, people are going to be cheering for the Argos to beat the Bombers. People are, people are ready to move on from the Bombers and no one more so than Ryder fans. So, yeah, that's a great cup victory. JB, let's... Let's see it all the way through. Uh, that's a great season. I love it. 11 and 7 or 10 and 8, a Grey Cup win. That would just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Check out our website for all of the latest signings, articles, information, everything that you need. And of course, we'll be back next week as we continue with our weekly podcast. And we're going to start getting you set for the global draft and the CFL draft. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.